Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we continue our study of the first book of Shmuel, the first book of Samuel, um, with uh, chapter 17, Perak Tes, I'm sorry, sorry, Perak Yud Zion. <laughs> the, um, if you recall, at the end of chapter 16, David, David, had been introduced to Shaul, to Saul, um, as a, uh, a, a as a musician, a harp player, and he played for Saul uh, when Saul was depressed, when his when he was melancholy, when he was sad, um, uh, and uh, we were given the impression and the idea that the reason why Saul was sad was because the spirit of God had left him. Um, that spirit of confidence, um, that spirit of um, optimism that Saul had when he knew that God was behind him, so to speak, that God was supporting him, so to speak, because Shmuel, the prophet, had told him so, uh, was gone, was lifted from him after the, um, the, the uh, disaster that had occurred uh, to Saul's kingdom at, uh, during the battle against Amalek. And uh, David was playing for him. This chapter 17, it, the one of the big problems that a lot of the commentaries deal with here is the um, sequence of events. There's a lot of things that don't seem to jive well. If Saul knew who David was, why certain things happened in this chapter the way they happened. I am going to tell you right now that um, I'm going to take the approach that... Um, that um, uh, as much as I can to stick with the chronology as it happens, as, as it's laid out in the book. Even though I, I fully acknowledge and understand that there are certain questions that will remain glaring as to what happened when, but I think it's important to, for us to simply read it as if this happened in succession, even though it may not have. Um, so that's how I'm going to read it. So imagine that... Saul knows David as someone who plays music for him. He was introduced to him. He was told he's a good-looking man. He's, he's uh, ruddy, uh, you know, which is like a healthy-looking uh, man, uh, reddish in color and, and, um, and a strong man and a one who plays music and plays beautiful music for Saul. Now, <clears throat> this, this chapter 17 is one of the most famous chapters in the entire Tanakh. It was, of course, the story of David and Goliath. And I am going to um, explain it and un understand it um, in a way that I believe uh, brings out the full true lessons of this chapter. Uh, and it will be based a lot on how we've studied until now. Soho. Asher Yehuda, and they gathered in a place called Soho, which is in the portion of the land belonging to Judah, the tribe of Judah, Vayachanu, and they camped, Bein Soho Uvein Azekob Efes Damim. And they encamped in, in that region of Soho, uh, between Soho and Azeka, which is a well-known uh, place today. There's a Tel Azeka, which has been well um, excavated Ephes Damim, in the place called Ephes Damim. Ephes uh, Damim literally translates to, there is no blood. It would seem that this name is the name that was given to that place after this battle, because it was a battle that never actually happened, and no 
blood other than the blood we'll find out later of Goliath himself. Other than that, no blood was spilled. No actual fighting took place. So it's an appropriate name for this place to commemorate the battle that didn't actually happen. Um, now, Vishaol the Ish Israel and Shaol Saul and the men of Israel, meaning the strong warriors of Israel, Nesu gathered together by Yachanu and they camped Be'emek Ha'ela in the valley of Ela. Now, this is important. They are camped at the low ground by And they set up a line of battle um, to counter the line of battle that had been set up by the Philistines, presumably on higher ground above them. So the Philistines already have the advantage of being on the higher ground. Uh, for whatever reason, this is how the, this battle was laid out. And the Philistines were standing on the top of this mountain on one side, Israel and the Israelites were standing on, on another mountain, even though the, the encampment was in the valley, in the deeper part, um, there were mountains opposite the Philistine mountains where the the uh, Israelite soldiers could go up and face the Philistines and there was a valley between them. So here we have this all set up. You have the scene drawn out. Now, I want to point out a few things that are important and I've been emphasizing this throughout our study of Shmuel and throughout our study of Shaul, Saul, and what his flaws were. We saw Shaul had some very good characteristics, but the one flaw that I've been emphasizing as we go through that Shaul refused to learn is the lesson, the true lesson of what it means to serve God, how serving God is different from serving other idols and other supposed gods. And that was the idea. And this is the idea that Shmuel was trying to teach Shaul. And we read this in the previous chapters. I explained it clearly and I showed it to you in the verses. Shaul understood God as a powerful spiritual force that ruled over Israel. And that if ritualistically he is uh, served appropriately, he would then serve to defend the people of Israel against its enemies. Shaul looked towards sacrifices, so he was faithful to God, so to speak, but not faithful to the God, the unique, special God that makes the God of Israel different from all other gods. What makes the God of Israel different from all other gods? Not just the obvious fact that one is true and the other is not, but it's much more than that. It's the whole idea, the idea that what God wants, God with a capital G wants, is for his people to follow in his footsteps, to keep his commands, to worship him by doing, by action in this world. Not by sacrificing or giving things supposedly to God, because God isn't, doesn't need anything. Now, um, this and the way to get help from this God is by acting, by doing. And we saw this in the, old, the battle with the Philistines where Saul's son Jonathan went and he saw that the odds were against the people and how does one use that um, to his advantage? So Jonathan went and he made an, a, a sneak attack, caused havoc in the camp of the Philistines so that the people of Israel were able to attack and root the Philistines in battle. Jonathan used his brains. He used his bravery and his courage. And despite all odds, he managed to use his strength against the Philistines, and exploit their weaknesses. And we're going to see the same thing happening here. 
This is the God of Israel. The God of Israel tells us to act, to do, not to pray, not to sacrifice, not to do rituals, and not to pretend that somehow we can arouse this more mighty God against the others. Now, and Shaul, despite being taught this numerous times by Shmuel, by Samuel, he didn't get the lesson. He was too arrogant to get and learn and understand the lesson. And this is what we're going to see play out before us now as we read this chapter. <laughs> so we have the battle laid out. And there was a, uh, this is generally translated, a man of uh, like a, a champion, the, the, uh, the one who stood out from among everyone else. From, from the camps of the Philistines. Goliath Shimo. His name was Goliath Migat from the town of Gat. Gat was one of the five major <coughs> principalities <coughs> of the Philistine area. Gavho Sheish Amot Vazaret. He was <coughs> six Amot and a little more tall. An Amma is translated as a cubit, which is generally about a foot and a half. So if he was Six amot, we're looking at nine foot tall, maybe. So whether this is an exaggeration or whether this was his actual height is, is, is not that important. The bottom line is that he was an extremely large, imposing figure and scary-looking guy. He had a helmet made out of bronze over his head, and he was dressed in a... Um, uh, a um, Armor made of scales of metal, umishkal uh, hashiryon, and he was so big and strong that the weight of the armor he was wearing was chameshet alafim shkalim nechoshet was five thousand copper shekels. So a very imposing figure, covered in armor, seemingly an impregnable, powerful giant man. Umitzchat nechoshet araglov, he had bronze. Um, uh, 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 like a uh, leg leg armor over his feet, and he had a between his shoulders he had slung, or over his shoulders he had a bronze spear. The Eitzchanito and the the wood of his spear, Kiminor Orgim, was literally that means like a uh, a bar. That belongs to a weaver, which is a large bar. Vilahevet chanito, and the the um, head, the tip of the spear, the sheish meoch kalim barzel was was um, iron, um, uh, six hundred iron uh, shekels worth of metal. and the one who carried his shield to protect him from uh, presumably incoming arrows or spears would walk before him. So a very imposing, imposing sight. And he got up and he called out to the um, battle lines of the people of Israel. And he said, Why, why bother coming out and having a war where we should, which is going to cause death and destruction to everyone? That's my own uh, interjection here. I am a Philistine. And you are servants to Saul. Choose a man and have him come fight me. If he can fight and, and overcome me, he can and strike me down. We will then be in, in, enslaved to you. 
This way we can do this without a battle. If I strike him down, then you will be enslaved to us and you will serve us. So now, this is what he says in his speech. And the Philistine said, presumably this Goliath, Goliath, he said he boasts to everyone, presumably more in this case, to the, at this point, to the Philistines. I have, cheirafti um, can be translated in many ways. It usually means I have uh, made fun of, uh, or I have debased, I have um, defamed the, the battle lines of the people of Israel today. Send me a man and let's fight it out. Together now, why did he use the language cheirafti? I have embarrassed. I have ashamed. I have, I have uh, defiled the uh, battle lines of Israel. Keep in mind what I told you before, um, and that was that in the Philistines' mind, the Israelites had a god, and the Philistines had a god. Whoever's god is more powerful is the one who's going to have his people win over the enemy. The, um, by doing this, what he's saying here is like this. Why have your God battle with all of his people against my God battling with all of his people against each other? We can prove whose God is more powerful in a one-on-one battle. And then we'll realize who is the one that should be enslaved to the other. This is a way to understand, like, if this is a battle, why should one guy be able to call out a challenge like this and everyone be scared and everyone be afraid? Just fight a war. But the point is, is that what he's saying is much more than that. All you are just, as he said, you are just servants to Saul. You're not any better than me. You're not any better than us. We, you serve your king, we serve our king. You serve your God, we serve our God. So... I'm a big dude. Send over somebody and let's fight it out and we'll see whose God is more powerful. And Saul heard this and all of the people of Israel. They heard the words of this Philistine. It doesn't say they saw the Philistine and they were afraid of the Philistine. Because in a battle, what's one big guy going to mean? But they heard the words of the Philistine. And they did not know how to counter that kind of attack. They looked at this and said, he's right. Who can represent our God and fight him and win this big, powerful guy? And Because they don't understand how God works and they think that God works through magical ritual and through sacrifices and so on, they think, well, um, who can we send up against him? Because they realized that the challenge is going to be very difficult. And they were very afraid. They could not rely on, on the way they believed in God. They, could not, they did not know who would have the merit, who would have God behind him so that he could fight this terrifying um, figure. This is going to complete chapter 17 um, part A, one, I mean, uh, uh, Shmuel 117a. This is a very long chapter, so I'm going to break it down into several pieces. Right now, we have set up this challenge of Goliath, of Goliath, the Philistine, and why Shaul, why Saul, and the people of Israel were now afraid of him because they did not have the kind of um, 
understanding of God that they needed to understand how to counter such a threat. So here they are, scared. Thank you for studying this together with me. Looking forward to studying the rest of this chapter and, of course, the rest of the book of Samuel together.